And so I just want us to go ahead and I'm just going to do a quick recap of where we've come from as this will be the, the conclusion final sermon in our Spirit-Filled Marriage series uh, starting in verse uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 18. So if you have a Bible, I would invite you now to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to go ahead and look at this text together. Amen? Amen. When you get there, say, I'm there. When you're ready, say, I'm ready. If you're hungry, say, let's eat. Let's eat. Father God, we pray in Jesus' name. Oh God, would you speak to us now through your word. God, thank you for that powerful time of worship. You are perfect in all of your ways. And God, you are perfect in all of your words. You're mighty, you're faithful. I thank you for equipping us with a spirit-filled worship team to lead us now into your spirit-filled book. God, we do, we do want to hear from you today. And we ask you to apply it to every person's life that's in the room, from the youngest person to the oldest person to the single person to the married person to the divorced person, God, to the person who just doesn't quite know what they're doing, where they're at, why they're here. God, I, I believe you have a word for every person in the room, including me. So, so Lord, speak to us now. Teach us now, God. I thank you that my brother Peter is in the room today. God, thank you for the healing in his life, God. God, thank you that your, your power is demonstrated through my brother. God, we love him and his family. And God, thank you that he's a, an encouragement to me and our church every week. God, I pray you'd speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Ephesians chapter 5. We started in verse 18, and after two months, we finally landed on verse 33. So we've been... We've been journeying one verse at a time, all right? Slowly but surely we're making our way through, but God has been feeding us, hasn't he? All right, let's go ahead and look at it together. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. And I like how the NLT version says it. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that will ruin your life. That's what the, a different translation says. That's, that's how they define debauchery. Um, but instead, there's a better way. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, this phrase, we highlighted it because it's introducing us into this next phase called Spirit-filled living. And Spirit-filled living takes off in verse 19, which says, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That Spirit-filled living looks like addressing one another. It looks like talking to each other because we're all created in the image and likeness of God, and God loves when his children talk to each other. And singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, we just lived that out, didn't we? And some of us, you thought, man, I'm not that great of a singer. Well, at least you can make a melody in your heart, right? And that, that counts, but I want to encourage you to sing anyway. I'm not a good singer anyway. I'm just going for it. That's what spirit-filled living looks like, making and singing and addressing. And how about giving? Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So regardless of good circumstance Bad circumstance, tough circumstance, I don't really know about this circumstance. God says, just give me thanks anyway. I know what I'm doing. I, I, I've found that in some of the, the toughest seasons of my life, God was doing something. I've looked back and I've realized, man, God was doing something. He was setting some things up. We couldn't see the whole puzzle, 
right? But God was looking at the box. He's like, this is what it's going to look like. We were just looking at a piece. Like, this piece doesn't fit. I don't get it. And God just put it down, all right? The, 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 the cover looks better. Uh, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 21 usually is an is a underestimated, underutilized verse. It's submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It says that spirit-filled living looks like spirit-filled submission. That we submit to one another because we revere, we fear, we respect, we trust the Lord, spirit-filled submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we talked all about those verses, then we continued from there into verse 22. It says, spirit-filled submission, if we really want to live those things out, it's going to start in the home. Like, we, we shouldn't have really great submitting to one another in church and then have terrible homes, right? Right, or we, we have really good submission at the office, but, but we, we blow it in the home. Paul says we got to start in the home because the foundation is family, and the foundation of family is marriage. So he goes, let's go ahead and kick it off. Wives, submit to your own husbands, not to everyone's husbands, but to your own husbands, okay? Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And so spirit-filled wives, we talked about what it looks like for you to be uh, living out spirit-filled submission to your own husband because you love the Lord. Right? Your primary motivation for submission to your husband is because you love the Lord. That you're honoring the Lord through your spirit-filled submission. Now, we also gave some caveats that if your husband ever calls you to dishonor the Lord, your first submission is to the Lord. Right? We're husbands. We're coming for you in a second, right? That, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So now, Paul is starting to give us a framework of the picture that marriage is supposed to display. Marriage is supposed to display husbands demonstrating Christ as the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, here goes this picture, right? So also wives should submit in everything to their husband. Once again, everything means everything as long as it doesn't call us to sin, as long as it's not abusive or in any way dishonoring to the Lord, God calls us to submit to him first in that, but the Bible does teach spirit-filled submission. We go on from there into verse 25, husbands, now husbands, this is your calling in this role, husbands, love your wives, we talked about what does it mean to be loving to your wives, and that, that word love is the Greek word agape, right? Right? There, there's all types of different Greek words for love. Our English language only has love. Our English language is weak compared to what the biblical writers were using. Right? They had agape love, phileo love, storge love, eros love. Right? We just got love. So it's, it's frustrating because I could say, man, I love this cheeseburger and I love you, my wife. And it, you know, they get categorized the same, but it doesn't mean the same. Amen? Right? So husbands, love your wives. This is the word agape, the highest form of love. It's a love that has less to do with feeling and emotion and more to do with a choice that you're making to love anyway. So even if you don't feel it, you choose to love anyway. Even if you say, man, we fell out of love, that just means you stopped choosing to love, right? Because you didn't fall into it in the first place. You just made a choice to do it, right? Now, I hope that, that attraction and feeling is involved, but I've found that attraction and feeling shouldn't lead us, but we should lead our attractions and feelings, and our feelings will catch up. 
Like, I'm going to make a choice to do this. Sometimes that happens to me at church. Man, I don't really feel like singing. And then midway through the song, I feel like singing. But I'm not going to just not sing because I don't feel it in the moment. I'm going to push through that and love the Lord anyway. Right? Sometimes I don't even feel like going to church. Can I be that honest? But I still am here. Sometimes I don't feel like going to charge group. I still walk downstairs because it's in my house. <laughs> I'm not coming downstairs. I'm, it's happening. It's happening. Our group, man, praise God. They would meet right outside the door, right? Then we'll just have a group right here. It's cool. Um, right? But sometimes you don't feel it. Sometimes you got to worship your way into worship. Sometimes you have to love your way into love, right? To, to give your spirit-filled wife... The, the agape love that God has called you to give. See, Jesus gives us that, right? He says that love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? How did Christ agape the church? Well, here's how he did it. He gave himself up for her. That's what's called sacrificial love. Husbands, you guys should be demonstrating sacrificial love daily because that's what Christ does daily, Right? And Jesus gave himself up for her, the church, that he might sanctify her. So now we see sacrificial love lead us into sanctifying love. The word sanctify means to get better. It means to be set apart. It means that you're not like you were in the past. It means that God's continuing to chop the spiritual fat off of your life so that you can be molded and made into the image of Christ. Right? That's what God is doing. And I love how Pastor Matt Chandler says it. He says, marriage is the fast track for sanctification. <laughs> says, if you really want to speed up the sanctification process, get married. That's going to expose a lot of your weaknesses and deficiencies and sin. And, and, and what's going to happen in that marriage process is you're going to start getting more and more like Jesus because you're going to have to forgive more. You're going to have to show grace more. You're going to have to receive grace more. You're going to have to lead more. It, it, you're responsible because two become one. Right? So sacrificial love leads to sanctifying love, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. I don't know any other better way to be sanctified than getting alone with God's word. God speaks to us through his word, doesn't he? I've never seen somebody who had a significant impact for the kingdom of God that didn't have a, a, a contagious relationship with the word. I mean, that just knew the word, lived in the word, swam in the word, was always reading the word. So I would encourage you today, if you, if, you, if you need something to do, if you're bored, if your iPhone's letting you know that you're spending five hours a day scrolling, use that as God sanctifying you, saying, pick up the word. Pick up the word. Or scroll to the word. Right? God is a God who speaks. Praise God, we have access to his word and God says to husbands, husbands, you should wash your wives with the word. He doesn't say scrub your wives. He doesn't say hit your wives with the word. He doesn't say dump the word on your wife. He says just, just wash your wife with the word. Right? Wash your wife with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. He says all of this is leading to this moment of glorification where one day we'll be presented to the Father, we'll be walked down the aisle, by the Father, will be presented to Christ, right? Our bridegroom, his church, we're the church, we're the bride, will be in eternity in splendor. Splendor means brilliant and gorgeous. Brilliant plus gorgeous equals splendor. 
That's what heaven's going to be like. We're going to be in eternity with the Savior forever. There's not going to be a sun or a moon because Jesus is that bright, right? And we're going to live with him in our new glorified bodies, our new glorified minds. Will there be wrinkles? Nope. Will there be blemishes? Nope. Will there be spots? No. Well, what about the cheetahs? I don't know. I don't know. I do believe animals will be there. I do. Okay, so you're asking. Uh, and, or any such thing, right, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. This would be what I call satisfying love, right? Sacrificial love, sanctifying love. We saw glorifying and then satisfying love. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Happy wife, happy life. Come on, dude. Love your wife. You're going to feel better. Love your wife. She's going to love you back, hopefully. But either way, at least you did what you need to do, right? Love your wife as you love yourself. And then Paul's like, hold up. This is elementary. He said, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Hopefully, y'all smell good today. Hopefully, y'all took a shower last night or this morning, or you've been taking care of yourself. Some of y'all need to cut your nails. Some of y'all need to get, some of y'all need to give your nose a haircut, all right? All right, let me keep going. For, for, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes, I don't know where that came from. That was, <laughs> let me, let me, let me digress. Nourish and cherish. Last week, we broke down, we put a little chart on the, on the screen. We talked about what does it mean to nourish? What does it mean to cherish? That, that we, we talked about the why. The, the why is for the glory of God. We talked about the what, husbands and wives, Christ and the church. We talked about the where. We're all going to splendor in heaven. And now in this text, we talked about the how. Well, here's how it's gonna happen. Nourish your wife, cherish your wife. Nourish has to do with nurturing, Nourish has to do with spending time. Nourish has to do with caring for. Nourish has to do with providing for. Nourish has to do with sustaining, right? All the things that Jesus does for us. Cherish has to do more inwardly. Cherish is thinking about, right? Husbands, you should never think about another woman more than you do your wife. You should never think about another thing more than you do your wife. I'd even say this. You shouldn't think more about your kids, than your wife. I've never found a verse that says you and your kids are one, right? But you and your wife are one, right? So, so, so nourish and cherish, like Jesus thinks about the church. Jesus loves the church. Jesus is excited about the church. So if you're not a part of a church, I would say you might not even be part of God's will. Like Jesus married the church, so you can't have a I love Jesus but don't go to church mentality. It doesn't exist. Right? There's, there's like, you, you can't. Right? I, that would be like saying, hey, I love my wife. I never see her. <laughs> I don't live with her. I never actually talk to her. But that doesn't make any sense. Like, hold on. That would be a terrible relationship. <laughs> No one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Praise God. Let me go ahead and give you, let me, if you're not a part of a church, I hope that it'd be this church, but let me go ahead and sell you for a second. Can I put on my salesman hat? If you commit to being a part of Christ's church, here's what he's committed to. Just as Christ does, he's committed to nourishing and cherishing your life. 
Like Jesus is going to nourish you and cherish you. He's going to grow you. He's going to sanctify you. He's going to walk with you the same way he walked with his disciples for three years through all types of ups and downs and hills and valleys. He's committed to that to you. You can trust him, amen? Amen. To all my people that know Jesus as Lord and Savior and are part of the church, is he trustworthy? Has he ever let you down? Right? He's only held us up. Right? And this has been the 2,000-year testimony. Like his, right, his tenure is strong. <laughs> right? His, Jesus' legacy, his reputation is good. People have been trying to tear it down forever, but the Bible is still the most selling book in the world. Jesus' church is growing. It's exploding globally. But America, it's struggling because we're going to all types of other different things for fulfillment, and we're getting let down because only he can nourish and cherish the way we, we need him to. Amen? Because we are members of his body. So become a member of the body. If you're not a, part, if you're not a member of, of this local church, become a member. Get, get, in, get in the game. Become a part of the body of Christ. Therefore, we go into verse 31 today. A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's a direct quotation from Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This, this sermon I've titled Spirit-Filled Marriage. Right? So we spent, we spent two weeks on spirit-filled submission. We spent two weeks on spirit-filled wives. We spent three weeks on spirit-filled husbands because y'all need, we need all of it. We need an extra week. And now we're kind of tying it up together with a week for everybody um, called Spirit-Filled Marriage. Verse 31 starts out by saying, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a perfect marriage verse. This is the marriage verse. If I were to preach on Spirit-Filled Marriage, I would start here Primarily because everybody else does. God, when he speaks about, about marriage, he says in Genesis 2.24, you can look it up, the second chapter in this big book called the Bible, when God is creating, he created Adam, he created Eve out of Adam, and he said, I've created you a helper, as an ezir, if you remember that. The only other place that word, the Hebrew word ezir is used is to speak about God. And in the New Testament, it speaks about the Holy Spirit. And so just to bring back a, a moment from one of the original sermons, to all the spiritual wives, if you think you, your calling as a helper to your husband is second class, you're calling the Holy Spirit second class. If you think your calling as a helper is in some, some way a, a, a downgrade, then you're saying what God does for us is a downgrade. It's not. The only other place where the word azir is used, it's used 20 times in the Old Testament. One time it's used to refer to wives. 19 times it's used to refer to God. To be called an azir is to be, I say, God is expressing himself through spirit-filled wives. What a calling. What a calling, right? And that leads into verse 24, which says, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. Another place, well, where's this... You know, what, what about Jesus? Because sometimes I find people say, man, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? What about Jesus? Did Jesus say that marriage is between a man and a woman? Did Jesus say 
that marriage that, that, that husbands and wives got to hold firm together? I know Paul said it. I know Genesis said it. But what about Jesus? Of course Jesus said it. Jesus affirms everything on the left side of the book and the right side of the book. Jesus holds them both together. One time, there was some, some, some haters, Pharisees and scribes, came up to Jesus, and they wanted to test him. It happened in Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 3. It says, and Pharisees came up to him and tested him. We got a test for you, Jesus. You already lost. It's a bad bet, bro. But go ahead and try by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read? Oh, what a phrase. Jesus in that moment affirms the Old Testament. Have you not read? That's the key right there. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Jesus affirms that. And said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. Again, a direct quotation from Genesis 2, 24. And that the two shall become one flesh. Everybody say one flesh. flesh. Says so they are. They're no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Right? This is Jesus' affirmation of spirit-filled marriage. I notice how Jesus just moves on at that point because the Pharisees were like, that's pretty good. That's good. We got nothing else. All right, we got to go. We'll be back. Right? Like, that was, that was actually accurate. All right, let's go. Dang it, you know. And Matthew, the tax collector, was writing all this down. I want Walk Church to know about that. What therefore God has joined together, marriage is a covenant relationship before men, but under the authority of God, and nobody should separate that. Jesus is saying that that type of relationship that's in covenant before God should not be separated. Now, I know that Jesus also does some, give some qualifiers for such things as a divorce, but I don't want that to be the main focus of this sermon. I want this to be the main focus, right? God affirms throughout the scriptures that he also hates divorce as well. God is, is not backwards in his thinking. He, he is very true to his word, but he also gives some very clear direction that when a husband and a wife marry together, that they become one. And nobody should separate that. Amen? No man should, should, should tarnish or hinder the definition of marriage. It was affirmed by God in Genesis 2. It was confirmed by Jesus in Matthew 19. And now the apostle Paul says, wait, about what about me? In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, I affirm it too. So therefore, I don't know what side you're on, whether it's left or right or right in the middle. Whatever it is, just make sure you got alignment with Jesus, Paul, and God. This is the definition of marriage, and no man should change it. Facts. All right, keep going. Let's keep on reading. Right? He says, therefore, uh, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I don't want to spend too much time on on this because we've already talked about it so much. But I just want to go ahead and reiterate a couple things just, just once more. That when 
a man and a woman get together in, in marriage, that there's, there's symbolism for a reason. One of the symbols is, right, the, the dad walks down the beautiful, gorgeous bride down the aisle, right? And the dad, right, he places her hand into the hand of her new husband, right? And this is a symbol of now the dad is saying, I am now, I'm commissioning you, daughter, to begin a new family, right? A man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I think when it comes to leaving mom and dad, it never says dishonor mom and dad. In fact, the next verse that's coming, a sneak peek, says honor your father and mother. So what does it mean to honor somebody? That's a big biblical word. We should always honor mom and dad. Even in our leaving, you can honor. Right? And so it never says disrespect. It never says stop communicating. It never says be a burden. It says actually be a blessing. But it does say to leave. So here's some ways that might flesh out. Everybody's going to be different. You could probably find some different spirit-filled marriages in the room and ask them, how does it work for you? But I've seen and I've experienced that when it comes to leaving mom and dad and the two become one, and you hold fast, that, that means starting new traditions. That means maybe you do Christmas differently than you did growing up. Maybe you do Thanksgiving different. Maybe it just looks different on the way that you parent. But regardless of what those things look like, regardless of what it looks like for you or that person, your primary family and calling now is to your wife and to your husband. So, so here, let me put it like this. Nobody's voice should ever be louder than your spouse. So, so, so spirit-filled wives, when you say, hey, but this is how I always did it, that always did it shouldn't be louder than your husband saying, but it's a new family. Husbands, when, when you say, hey, wives, but, but this is how I, I always did it. This is what I know to be true. This is how I grew up. This is what, this was what I saw my mom and dad do, and there's good things that can come from that. But nothing should be louder than when your spiritual wife says, I know, but now it's us. How are we going to do it? Now, there's nothing wrong with getting counsel from mom and dad and mother-in-law and dad-in-law. And hopefully they give you some good counsel, but their voice should never be louder than your spouse's voice. They should be never louder than God's voice. I know that some people saw a whole lot of abuse growing up in their family. And they didn't see a spirit-filled marriage lived out. Let me go ahead and encourage you and challenge you. Don't bring that into your marriage. <laughs> Spirit-filled wife, you might have saw in your past some bad stuff. That doesn't mean that you should bring that into your marriage. That means that that has now been, you have left that. That's what the word leave means. And you have now joined to a new family. Still honor, but it's new. It never, I can't find a text that says hold fast to your parents. I do find honor. I do find love. But hold fast is a spouse agreement. Matthew Henry says it like this. We are not to understand by this that a man's obligation to other relations is canceled upon his marriage, but only that this relation is to be preferred to all others. There being a nearer union between these two than between any others, that the man must rather leave any of, 
of those than his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. That is, by virtue of the marital bond. And this is a great mystery. I, I like how he says, if we can just go back one, I just want to highlight this first part. He says, we're not to understand by this that a man's obligation to other relations is to cancel upon his marriage, right? But what's preferred is what your wife says. What's preferred is what your husband says. The preference, because I hear this oftentimes, I know, but she always says that her mom's her best friend. This is going to hurt. You got a new best friend. I know, but he says he goes to dad for everything. Stop going to dad for everything. You got a new everything. It doesn't mean that you don't invite other counsel. I wanted to get your opinion, but I might leave it. That's what the verse says. Maybe we can be clear. Yo, I, I might not, if I don't do it, don't be offended. I have a new calling. It's to my spouse and I learned at Walk Church that if I got a happy spouse, I got a happy house. So her voice is the loudest. His voice is the loudest. And we love mom and pops, but they're not everything. And that spirit-filled marriage that I'm talking about will one day hopefully grow up and have kids, and then their kids will do the same thing to them. And they'll be like, dang! <laughs> but then they'll say, man, I remember when we did that. That was a good time. That was a good time. How about Warren Wearsby in his commentary? I was reading in Warren Wearsby's commentary. He says, Adam had to give part of himself in order to get a bride. But, but Christ gave all of himself to purchase his bride at the cross. Man, that just is a great line. God opened Adam's side, but sinful men pierced Christ's side. So united are a husband and a wife that they are one flesh. Their union, he says, is even closer than that of parents and children. The believer's union with Christ is even closer and unlike a human marriage will last for all eternity. Right? So he's saying, hey, look, husbands and wives, that one flesh language, <laughs> the only picture of that is Christ on the cross and the, Christ in the church. Not like Parents and children, these things are separated. Christ and the church, the cross, the side, the blood, the water, the sacrifice. And he goes, and, and, and here's what Wearsby says, and don't get so enamored with temporary marriage here on earth because there's an even greater marriage, which is us in Christ that will go on forever. Will, there, will you be married in heaven? No. no you won't be. So you got to enjoy this time now. Stop arguing so much. <laughs> like you might as well. This, this is a momentary marriage. Enjoy it. Love your wife. Submit to your husband and have a spirit-filled marriage. Because I've found that when husbands are agape loving their wives, their wives are naturally submitting. And when wives are demonstrating spirit-filled submission, the husband's they, they want to lead. It's empowering. Wearsby says this refers to Christ and the church. Wearsby again, he goes on, he says, Paul closed with a final admonition, um, admonition that, that the husband love his wife, that the wife revere, respect her husband, both of which require the power of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're talking about spirit-filled marriage, 
because the only way to live out these verses is to be filled with the Spirit. I'm just, because this is the last sermon in this chunk of marriage, and some of you are like, yes, <laughs> waiting for that. But others, I, I love how somebody came up to me last week and said, can we just keep it, like, extend it, extend it longer, right? Um, but because of that, I just want to remind you of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Ephesians 1, verse 1, right? It reminds us that, that this is written to saints, that this right here, this book is written to people who call Jesus Lord. So Paul was expecting those who would read this letter to be a part of the family of God, to be a part of the church, to be filled with the Spirit. You cannot do these things. It's a, it's a requirement to have the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't, I, I've found many of days in, in <clears throat> Nina and I's eight years of marriage where I thought, man, I need the Holy Spirit now. And the Holy Spirit goes, tag me in, tag me in. Let me jump over the ropes. And usually the Holy Spirit says, all right, come on over here, bro. Let me sit down in your corner. Look, man. <laughs> here, spray some water on me. <laughs> you know, put my mouthpiece back in. Holy Spirit, this time do it like this. Trust me, all right? All right, let's keep on walking through. Verse 32, this mystery is profound. Can I get an Amen. I don't know about you, but there's been moments where I said, man, this just doesn't really make all that much sense. We've been trying to explain it as best we can and articulate this as best we can. But even the great apostle Paul says, I know this thing is mysterious, isn't it? This thing is profound. And he says, again, I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. I'll go ahead and make a bold statement right here. Marriage, Paul says, refers to to Christ and the church. I'm going to say this because we're in church, and this is no shade to anybody in the room. It's just what I believe that this verse teaches, that for all my single folk in the room, do not marry somebody that's not a believer. Do not. Don't do it. If you're married to somebody who's who's not a believer in Christ, stay in that marriage and love your husband, love your wife, and, and it'll be through your spirit-filled living that maybe that might jump onto your spouse and they'll say, take me to your church. You're awesome. I want some of the, what you got. That's what the Bible tells you to do. Stay. Don't leave. That's, that, that's not the picture here. But what this would say is marriage refers to Christ and the church. So that might require some awkward conversation. Like, if you're currently dating somebody who's not saved, you cannot live the spirit-filled marriage that God's called you to live at the level that you want to. He's not going to wash you in the word. Right? She's not going to understand spirit-filled submission. Like, like spirit-filled men, if you're dating a non-believer woman right now, she's not going to understand the spirit-filled submission that the Bible talks about. She'll probably buck up against it because it's not her book. And, and, and spirit-filled ladies in the room, if you're dating a guy who, who's not filled with the spirit, he's not going to understand agape love. He's probably going to un understand transactional love, which is you do this and I'll do that. And if you don't do that, I'm out. That's transactions. Agape love is we're in this thing together no matter what. <laughs> Let's figure it out. This refers to Christ and the church. I've heard every single excuse, but he's this, but she's that. It's black and white. 
saved or not saved, dead or alive. There's no gray area here, but he makes a lot of money, black or white. But she's super pretty. Not going to last. Beauty is in vain, but the women who fears the Lord. But put that on your qualifications. Don't get married. I'm saying this from experience. In my position, I've seen too many divorces in 2019 alone because people got married and they didn't understand verse 32, the mystery. It's a mysterious thing. I get it. I get it. It's profound. I get it. So don't rush into something that's mysterious. Figure it out first. Come into agreement. Have a verse 31 conversation. Are you okay that we leave mom and pops? We can't move in with them. And if she says, nah, I'm not cool with that, we got to keep moving, all right? Because that's your calling. Like we gotta, or just say, hey, give me a, we need at least another year. We need another year. Fair? I love how Tony Marita says it. Marita says, he says, God ordained marriage. Christ set the pattern for marriage. The Spirit empowers marriage, right? The Spirit of God empowers us to be married. And so if, if you're single in the room, this is an empowering time for the Spirit to empower you to get you ready for that next step. What a time. Ver- verse 33 Leaves us with this verse. This is the last verse in Ephesians 5. We are getting ready to step into 6. I'm excited. Last verse of Ephesians 5. However, Stephen A. Smith voice. However, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Look, how many times has Paul said this? I can't keep preaching this, Paul. It's the same stuff. Paul says, I'm preaching it till you remember it. Husbands, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Look, maybe maybe this is your first time at Walk Church and you're like, man, just get, I can't, I'm not going to go back and listen to all the other sermons. I just need it. I need the one verse, the the summary verse. Give me the, the footnote. Give me the quick note, the bullet point. Give me the marriage verse. Give me the how. I'll give you this verse. Each one of you, husbands and wives, love your wife, respect your husband. <laughs> like, love and respect are, are, are the ingredients to a healthy marriage. You won't be able to love like Christ if you're not filled with Christ. You won't be able to respect like the church if you're not part of the church. You, you, you need these two ingredients to have a spirit-filled marriage. There's this really good book that came out called Love and Respect. We have a bunch here at church. They're in our merch store alongside a lot of other really good books. Love and Respect is a book written by Dr. Emerson where he writes profoundly and extensively on the wife's role and the husband's role. Love and Respect. Here's some of the things he says in his book just to give you a couple little highlights. He says, his love motivates her respect. Her respect motivates his love. Right? Like, that's so key right there. Husbands, your love will motivate her respect. Wives, your respect will motivate his love. Don't come into your marriage thinking, I'm going to give 50, he's going to give 50. Think, I'm going to give 100, I don't care what he gives. And think, I'm going to give 100. Well, 100, 100. That's the marriage math. 
That's what God has called you to do. Another place, Emerson says it like this. He says, unfortunately, a wife's usual approach is to complain and criticize in order to motivate her husband to become more loving. This usually proves about as successful as trying to sell brass knuckles to Mother Teresa. <laughs> Thought that was interesting. <laughs> Dr. Emerson continues, he says, the husband decides, well, he will motivate his wife to become more respectful by acting in unloving ways. This usually proves about as successful as trying to sell a pickup to an Amish farmer, right? <laughs> like, man, we don't use that, we don't do that. <laughs> Love and respect, right? You're not going to get one by not doing what you're called to do. Husbands, you give agape love. Trust that God's going to use your wife to respect you. Wives, you give respect, your husband's going to love you. That should be the, the pattern. One more place where Dr. Emerson says, he says, you can be right, but wrong at the top of your voice. I put them in all caps for that reason, right? He says, hey, look, you could try to be loving, but you can love in a clanging, symbol way, and it's not love. You can try to be respectful, but do it in the wrong spirit or tone, and it not be real respect. So I would encourage all the, the spirit-filled couples in the room um, to just major on love and respect. You know, and, 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 and ask your Spirit-filled wives, ask your husband, what can I do to better respect you? And leave room for your wife to say, wife, what can I do to better love you? And really lean in when they're answering. And don't cut them off and don't say, don't make excuses, just listen. Create space for it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now that, God, we would, we would take heed to this instruction and to this counsel. And that, God, you would bless this, this time and move in this time and use this time. And God, I pray that, Lord, you would help us. Help us, God. Help us to live out these principles. God, I pray for all the spirit-filled marriages in the room and all the ones to come. God, help us to love you. Help us to respect you, God. Lord, teach us. Teach us, God. I pray that you would, Jesus. We, we really do need you. And God, if there's anybody in the room here, here today that doesn't know you, I pray that today would be their day to get to know you. For someone here today that needs to be a part of the church, God, I pray that they would become a part of your church. And that can happen by faith. That right now that they would call upon your name. I know that every, every couple in here is not perfect. Every person here is not perfect. But that's why we need the perfect Savior who died on the cross, shed his blood, rose from the grave, and made it possible for us to be new. And if somebody needs to be made new right now, I pray that they would call on your name. Just say, Jesus, save me. Oh, Lord, Jesus, save people today and change people today. We need your spirit. Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Some people making decisions right now in this moment to have a spirit-filled marriage. And, and how cool is it that we actually get to hear from a spirit-filled married couple here 
this week all the way from Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, Pastor Chris and Jody Aiken. Welcome to Walk Church. We are Come grateful on, to be in the house. Yes. It's been a fun weekend. You guys have poured out much, men's breakout, women's breakout, all types of different content shared, praying for people in, in between, Q&A. It's been a really sweet time. Tell us just briefly, have you guys enjoyed your time uh, at Walk Church? Has it been helpful? Yeah, we've been, we've been honored to be here. Every time we get to do one of these events like this, it really does sharpen us. Nobody ever arrives in marriage to where like you, oh, suddenly we've got it. Right. Uh, you never get there. So it's been, it's been great and just being around the people at Walk Church, uh, man, it's just been refreshing. Mm. We're honored to be with you. Praise God. Amen. Thank you guys both. It's been great. When you think about this, this sermon that I just preached on and these verses that you guys are very familiar with, um, you guys hit on a lot of these verses throughout the conference. Um, talk to us a little bit about how these verses have played a role in your guys' lives. You mentioned you've been married now for 31 years, that you've been through three different decades of marriage and have made a lot of mistakes along the way and have seen God do amazing things along the way. Um, talk to us a little bit about how, how this, these verses have landed on your lives, and then maybe we'll spend the rest of our time getting specific on on respect and love and what that looks like. Well, I was going to dive right into that. But, Go for it, um, yeah. Because um, it's really on my heart, and it's taken a lot of years for, for me to really just kind of uh, culminate what that looks like. What does it look like to respect my husband? And it's about being intentional of applying the three P's, respecting him in the presence of God, respecting him in private, and respecting him in public. Wow. Someone write those down right there. <laughs> Three Ps. Because you, you had said in your sermon, too, it's, it's about having that relationship with Christ. And if, if my relationship with Christ is not shored up, if my relationship with Christ is not honest and I've not spent time with him and I've not cultivated my love first for Christ and my respect for Christ and his holiness, so good. I'm not going to be able to show my love and respect for my spouse. Wow. So it's critical in the way that I respect him is to first go to Christ. And, and first, it, I, I, I work on that relationship, but I also bring my husband to Christ mm. because I'm not perfect and he's show ain't perfect. Show ain't. <laughs> Showing. And so um, I, I bring a lot of things first to Christ before I ever bring them to my husband. That's some good. issues that I might have or some, some um, anxiety or some things that I'm like, I didn't like the way you did that. I, I first bring it to Christ. Wow. And, and because what I've found oftentimes is there's a work that needs to be done in me. Wow. And there's some pride that needs to be knocked down a few levels. Really? And then, and then once I'm short up with Christ, I've got to be consistent in showing respect in private. And that looks like not rolling my eyes when he says something that I disagree with. Wow. Anybody roll your eyes? I'm just like, I know I'm not, I'm not mm -hmm. alone. And that's disrespectful to our men when we do that. Really? We, we wow. don't want to have our, you know, his eyes rolled to mine. So it's, it's, it's real uh, critical that in private that I treat him behind closed doors as I'm going to treat him in public. Wow. See, I can't be different in public than I am in private. That's, right. mm. that's, that's, that's hypocritical, mm. and I don't want to be a hypocritical wife. Wow. And so when I'm in public, I'm, I'm also uh, cautious not to 
de-edify him with a girlfriend and say, yeah, he's, he's you know, being godly in front of everybody else and he's not at the house. Wow. You know, I'm not going to do that. And, and the, the thing is, is it's important for me to edify him in public. And there's this consistent thread of cultivating a spirit-filled marriage that first starts with my relationship with Christ. What I do in, in private is the same thing I'm going to do in public. So what you see is what you get. And I want to show that in the most respectful way. So Great word. Wow. Yeah. Come on, let's Great. give it up for that. Mm, that's helpful. <clears throat> the three Ps. Tell us one more time. Um, respect him in the presence of God. In the presence of God. Respect him in private. Private. And respect him in public. In public. Man, that, that was worth coming to church right there, right? <laughs> uh, Pastor Chris, when it comes to loving your spirit-filled wife, Jody. Um, how has this been fleshed out over, over your guys? Yeah, it's, it's always an ebb and flow thing. So yeah. it begins with a commitment. Man, we're going to love, period. Full stop, we're done. We're going to love. Period. And, uh, you know, and, and Christ is the model for that. So the days that she's not lovely, uh, when, she's, when she's having a bad day or whatever, uh, I got to remember, I have a lot of bad days in the presence of Christ. So love, love not, not just love anyway, love sacrificially, on purpose Good. in that moment. Wow, um, on purpose. And, and I give her a lot of things. Man, I give her a lot of things to not love about me and not wow. to respect about me. Tons sure. of things. But at the end of the day, uh, Ephesians 5.33 is two independent commands. Husbands, love your wives, full stop. Wives, respect your husbands, full stop. And the two are not dependent on each other. Wow. So I got to do my part and then let God do what God does. Man, so good. Right. Yeah. Our church loves practical, yeah. as do I. Is there anything that maybe is going on in your head? She gave the, the roll your eyes illustration, but something practical maybe throughout your guys' marriage when it comes to, to loving your wife that would be helpful for our church to hear. Um, yeah, so uh, one of the things we do with couples, and we've done this personally, uh, Five Love Languages is kind of one of the books in our toolbox. Really so good. once we figured out what our love languages were, uh, hers, hers is quality time and words of affirmation. And, um, and they run pretty close neck and neck. So uh, just realizing that it's words of affirmation. Criticism tears down, but affirmation builds up. Wow. I want a woman who's built up. I'm trying to, uh, I'm building my own cistern so that I can draw fresh water when I need it. And uh, so, word. hello, guys. So, uh, yeah. so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, man, for me to to go by and drop a love note in her car on my way to work, and then just move on and just leave it so that she finds it later Helpful. on the time. I know it's going to build into that because that's her love language. It wouldn't do any good for me to drop a, a dozen roses all the time. She likes some roses, but it wouldn't do any good to drop them all the time. She'd like better me to drop some daisies and a love note that says, "I am." I am over the moon thinking about you today. Wow. That's what it means. Yeah. So <clears throat> what I got from that is, number one, you got to figure out each other's love languages. Yeah. I know even for Nina and I, we were speaking foreign languages to each other in the first couple years of our marriage because my primary love language is different than hers. And, I, and we tend to love with what our language is. So, for example, if your primary love language is physical touch, you may want to touch your wife to demonstrate love and she her hers may be words of affirmation she's like i know you're touching me but i want to hear from you right and that's how you speak each other's love language so get the book i'm pretty sure we have that book at our merch table 
And so make sure you pick up some of the love language books. What's really cool about the love language book is it gives you the test, right? So a bunch of questions that you can ask yourself, and then it gives you your score, which says these are your primary top two love languages. And you want to really share that with your spouse and say, hey, this is how you can love me best. This is what I receive. Not that all five are not important. They're all love languages, but we do have primaries. So number one, I, I think I'm hearing you say, get the book, read it. Yeah. And then and then try to try to apply it. Try to apply Look, it. if I was going to do anything worth doing in life, I'm going to learn how to do it well. I would That's do good. that at my job. I would do that in my education. I would do that uh, as it comes to my relationship with Christ. I want to understand what those things are. Why wouldn't I spend time trying to be a good husband and understand who my wife is, how she's wired, so I can communicate in a way that she best receives? So it? good. Yeah. Do you find that oftentimes marriages just whether that's individually or as a couple, they just don't work on the marriage enough. They don't spend that time up front saying, I want to be really good at what I'm going to do, so I'm going to spend time in it. Do you, do you see that to happen over your course of pastoring for many years and whatnot? Well, I just want to say real quick, um, oftentimes we, we do work on it, but with the wrong heart motive. Wow. We do it because we're looking to get something out of it back. And we ought to be doing it because we love Christ first and we're going to love and respect our spouse right in line with that. With the thought, I might not get it back, but that's okay because I'm doing it out of pure heart motives. It's when we do it out of the wrong heart motives. That's good. Yeah, and and I think I think to some degree we don't work as hard at marriage as we ought to because this is really our safest space that we have. So we 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 tend to move from that from a place of honoring to a place of just taking for granted. She's going to be there. She's going to be okay. It's going to work out. She can't go nowhere. Right. It's going to work out. Yeah. And reality, we end up starving the most fulfilling source of life that we have because we take it for granted. Wow. That's really good. Well, this is just, we, we wanted you guys to get some of the insider marriage conference content because I know not everybody was able to attend this year. Um, Pastor Chris, any last closing statement or Jody, and then we'd love for you to pray for us. Yeah, I I do want to pray. I want to give you 15 seconds. I was sitting here listening to you on Leave and Cleave, and I was thinking, hey, listen, if you're in here, we've already run through the season of of making boundaries with our own parents, and now as parents of kids that have gotten married and another one that's getting married, if you're a parent of a child that way, you make it easy for them to leave. You have that tough conversation with them and say, from now on, this is your new family. You put your priority there. Your mom and I are good with that. In fact, that's the best way to honor us is by you stepping out and doing what we've been raising you to do all of this time. If you'll give them that permission, you'll help disciple them in where they're supposed to be. That's great. Hey, that's free, man. Yeah. Yeah, that was free, and that was really helpful for me. Good. Yeah. My little boys are so so small that I, I this is really good insight and help helpful tools for my toolbox yeah. when they Lord willing get to that place. Yeah. Amazing word. Thank you for that, Pastor Chris. Would you pray for us? Man, I would. Thank you, God. We are we're absolutely overwhelmed yeah. at how incredible you are. Thank you, Father. God, that you would be mindful of us. What is man that you are mindful of him? We're we're nothing. We we blow it. We mess up. And none of that catches you by surprise. You know everything perfectly, intentionally, intimately, and you love us. So, Lord, help us not only to experience that and to realize that and apply that, but help us to demonstrate that to the people around us. 
God, as Walk Church leaves today, as we go out into that place that you've called us to work, to our workplaces, to our homes, help us be Christ in every one of those scenarios and situations. Give us boldness to tell people where our hope lies. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd use us as billboards of grace to people around us to let them know imperfect people are welcome into a perfect kingdom by a perfect king. And help us, help us carry that out and be glorified just in the way we live in it. I know what matters is the way we walk this out from here. So help us walk it out in a way that magnifies you and receive praise for it. Thank you for these people. Thank you for their intentionality on relationship. Be glorified now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.